Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. Flashes, champions of the Mid-American Conference. Little trick play and a throw to Baker Mayfield to tie the game. Perry and grab by Leonard. Throw to first. Unbelievable. Chubb will take this all the way. 92 yards. And the Ohio State Buckeyes are the first national champions of the playoff era. The Indians have won the American League pennant. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. I accepted it. Gladiator. And we are live! Welcome back to Pass the Mic Sports Talk. I'm Sean Fitzgerald alongside Enzo Orlando, and boy, do we have a packed show for you today. What's going on, Enzo? Uh, Sean, I'm doing good. It's uh, nice to be uh, back in the studio today, and I got a question for you, Sean. Is your studio withdrawal about to be done by the end yes! of the show? Yes! Yes, it's it about to be, be over. All right, because... Ah, oh, sweet goodness. Because when we were doing uh, the podcasts over winter break, you were saying, like, oh, how I had this withdrawal of not being in here. But now it feels like you're getting back to be yourself. I feel so better. I. We I feel normal. I feel a little bit better. It was a long morning for me today. Uh, so it was all that. But it's I've, good to be back. We had a whole packed show. A lot, lot went on during the past couple weeks. Yeah. All right? Lots. We had lots going on. And we've got lots of guests on today. We've got Quinn Griffin that's going to be calling in a little bit. We got, uh, I believe, currently we have Alex Wilcox from uh, Wilcox and Rico, and then we're going to have a good friend of mine, uh, Cam Seiko, calling in during the second hour, talk a little bit of uh, UFC, Conor McGregor, and uh, a couple other miscellaneous items. Uh, but remember, if you want to call in, get your take taken, 330-672-7701. Oh, and we do have a poll out already. Uh, oh, yeah, there is a poll there today. There is a poll out today. Uh, I'll read it. I think we've gotten a couple votes already. So, uh, so the poll of today. So Let's not read off the votes. The poll of today is: uh, What was the worst thing to happen to baseball? Sign stealing, steroids, or gambling? So go vote on our Twitter page right yeah. now. First updates will come at the forty-five minute of the first hour. And with that, let's kind of just jump into things. I mean, we've had so much going on. For Kent State, they're still doing pretty good with basketball. Uh, they Both did lose. They, they the men's team did lose three straight, and they take yeah. on Buffalo today at six thirty on CBS Sports Network. So Buffalo always t- tough matchup for us. Yeah, the fortunate thing for Kent State is that they don't have to go up against Coach Nate Oates, who left for Alabama at the end of last season for Buffalo. Yeah, so that it, may good, be. But I, from I was at the game uh, Tuesday, calling it with uh, Alex Wilcox, and that's how I. Got him to come on the show, and I saw a lot of things from uh, Kent State that Coach Rob Senneroff is not happy. He mentioned, I read this in the stadium, that he wants his uh, upperclassmen to step it up more and p- play a little bit better to uh, show uh, guidance for these uh, younger freshmen and sophomore players that they got. And, like, they've turned over the ball, like, seven times in that game against uh, Northern Illinois, and they really couldn't stop Northern Illinois' uh, two guards, uh Eugene German and uh, Beans. They, yeah, they Eugene were, they were stopped. He was pretty good. If you, were, I think you were there when yeah. we were calling the games uh, for Toledo and Northern Illinois at the MAC game, tournament yes. last year. Eugene German was one of the players that scared the living daylights out of me when he was playing because he was one of those like big factors in that game where seven seed NIU upsets Toledo. I mean, Eugene German is probably one of the players that would scare me if Kent got into a matchup with them in the MAC tournament. 
Like I am scared of German. I'm not kidding. He is a scary player. He really the he's he, got, he, he's, he and he actually had a slow start. Actually, he didn't have much. He only had like two points in the yeah, first half, and then the second half got, he just went off. That's kind of what happened in the MAC tournament too, if memory serves me right. And he's just got a little bit of explosiveness that like I don't think anyone who I've been able to see so far in Kent State in person has had. Not to say that they don't. I'm just saying I've not really seen any in person games so far. But they've got that explosiveness. Or it's just like you can blow by somebody. If you can get that edge, they're going to be so on top of the game. Yeah, it's just right now, uh, lose now at five hundred in the MAC conference. It's you know, it's not the position that the team wanted to be. Rob Senderoff really yeah. not happy. It's still with them. good though that it's they still had a very good, good out of conference I mean, record though. I think these teams that they were playing, they should have at least beat one out, of them. Like, having that out-of-conference record be so high coming in, though, will help, I think, going down the road. Because if I'm memory serves me right, it wasn't as good last year. I think this will help things be a little bit smoother, as in, uh, you know, getting one of those top four seeds versus having to go into the play-in games. Yeah, but, I mean, they lost to Miami, which they're not that good. Western Michigan, they were like a 500 team, and so was Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois is the game where they well, got exposed. Well, here's the thing, just... They got to remember there are teams that play uh, MAC teams and other teams in smaller conferences that are from Power Five. So we don't know unless we do the research ourselves who they played. I'm not trying to make excuses for Kent. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm just trying to say I don't know who these other teams have played, but that can contribute to the record and why we see them as such. Uh, yes, but I mean we got a tough schedule coming up. We know tonight they got Buffalo. Buffalo's actually favored by three and a half points. Then uh, we faced Toledo for the last time of the season. We beat them uh, earlier this month, and then uh, Akron comes in uh, on the last day of January. So that'll be a big one as usual. Akron, Rivalry. Akron, Akron. Akron's pretty good, man. They have they've only lost four games so far. I think Kent State's and they're undefeated. And they're undefeated, and they only lost one game in conference play too. I mean, you know, that's going to be a good game as well. I mean, you just got a lot of stuff that you have to start, you know, picking up the slack for. And I think this team is capable of it. There were some things that were going on last year that, uh, you know, may have held the team back. But this year, I think it's more of a clean slate, and it's just you know having those bumpy rides that every team's going to have throughout the course of a year, even those that are winning. Like let's say. Uh, well, who's a good example? Even like a Baylor who's winning like you know a majority of their games, they're going to have a a tough ride through some portion of their schedule. Not every team is going to be flawless, and that's why you rarely see an undefeated team in basketball anymore get to the title game. The closest we had was Kentucky. Kentucky. Oh a my years gosh! Ago. Everyone had Kentucky winning the championship. Do you in the remember? Brackets. I though, remember. Do you remember th- they had that whole like bro- I don't know if it was Kentucky or if it was another year that Kentucky was in the tournament where they had that whole uh, broadcast system set up. Where it was like a Homerism Kentucky channel on one of the major ones. It's like, wait, what the heck is going on? Is that during the tournament? It was during the tournament, yeah. Well, the tournament, you know, it's done by. I don't remember if it was a year that they were in the title game or if it was in that undefeated season, but it it was something. Might have been that undefeated season. I remember. I remember. Yeah, before they fell to what? Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Wisconsin is known for screwing my brackets. That's Wisconsin has been known for me helping my brackets more often than not. They they, they don't help my the brackets. team that's the team that hurts my brackets when it comes to March Madness the most is either Oregon or Georgetown. I'd say it's those two. Dude, Georgetown's always been a good team. Georgetown hurt. They got me. some great and Michigan players. State. Michigan State at Georgetown and Oregon well, are the teams can't that can't forget about Cassius hurt. Winston. <laughs> Michigan State good. has a couple times in the past like five years I've picked them to go really far. 
they got knocked out knocked early. Out. It's like, are you kidding me? And one of them, one of those times was as a fifteen, uh, two fifteen matchup. I'm like, mm. and like, like I've got like a claw going on. Is that the on one here. against Middle Tennessee in 2016? Yes. That's the that one. Was, that Michigan was the State one where like, far. if I had had them like even go like to the Elite Eight, I might have won a tournament bracket challenge. I'm not saying a national one, but I might have won like a regular one where it would have been like what Indians tickets and uh, a couple of sweets. Like so, I mean, like just like uh, candies and stuff okay, like that. Okay, okay, okay. Because the person who is giving out like that prize is not rich or anything. I know. <laughs> but uh, enough of uh, Kent State for the moment, unless you have something that you want to talk about with uh, them. I we taught we already went over the Frisco Ball back in December on our That's podcast. That's right. And so... if you want to check out the podcast for Pass the Mic, we ran what two or three over the break. We ran two. Go check that out on Podbean. Look up Pass the Mic Sports Talk. Uh, and look that up uh, on the easier way, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know, that's the podcast apps that most of us have today. It's on your phone. Pl- listen in, and it's easier. Yeah. I don't keep my phone super cluttered. I just try to keep, like, the ba- the essentials, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But with that said, I do want to move on to uh, – I want to move on to the Indians first because I uh, think that's I more fresh in our say, minds. Yes. And I I know Enzo's got some words, and I think I do, too. Uh, so It's interesting. You know, great, great organization the Indians yeah. have been that, this past decade. But what happened was the other night, Cleveland Indians owner Paul Dolan and the Dolan family, more so specifically, received the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. And if you remember from last year uh, with an interview in The Athletic, Athletic. Uh, Dolan said to enjoy Francisco Lindor when asked about you know the possibility of basically extending him or how long Lindor would be in Cleveland for. And then in his speech, I have this. Talk- I have his end of his speech yeah. right here. Uh, I can actually read. Yeah, so uh, quote quote uh, Paul Dolan. Uh, Last, I want to thank our fans. They are the most passionate fans around. They're loyal. They they pass every. If- affiliating test they're at the top i'm particularly appreciated of our uh of a particular type of fan many of whom in this room are here tonight and that is the fan who buys the tickets in the suites and sponsorships one because they're fans two because it's good for business and three because they understand it's an investment in our community that by supporting the team you're supporting the community our military services and the Vitality of our community, and for that, I am thankful. I'll close. It's January 22nd. We have a lot of winter ahead of us, but next week we have Tribe Fest. A couple days after that, pitchers and catchers report, and in 64 days we will be underway at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario. I'm very, very excited about this year's season. We have a good crop of young players. We saw them start develop last year, and of course, we have some old stars one of whom who happens to play shortstop, who I know I'm going to enjoy. I'm not sure I can tell you people to enjoy him. He's certainly fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to some October baseball. What? And what he kind of said from this speech, I don't like how he's literally just only calling out saying that the real fans are the ones that are yeah. in the corporate sponsorships. They're the ones that got the suites and all that, and they bring yeah. more money to the team. this was and just this moment for here. every. Is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room yep. is now dumber. Yep. yep. Having listened. To All right. So let me get to my point. So we are just people that have like average incomes, Sean and I. Like we're not going to be able to 
give the Indians like a thousand dollars or anything and for going the one game. We won't be able to ever do that. Don't Probably think. not, not unless we the lottery. Unless we the lottery. <laughs> but we're not able to do it. We're like the average fans. Cleveland is a blue-collar city. That's what our city's been known for, and not everyone's going to be that rich corporate sponsor. Yes, we got many Fortune 500 companies in this area, but not all of them yeah, are going to be. Yeah, the Fortune 500 companies, companies back when, back like, my dad was, like, Sherman working in Williams, here in the 90s, it's Bank, like, it was bigger. Honey like, that's when you had, and you're not going to ever have that much again, but it's like, it just came off the wrong way, and then, right. of course, I know people have, have interpreted this in different ways, but the Lindor line, the line of enjoying him, the fact that you're doing that at this dinner and that you have the whole night to yourself to kind of promo a positive image, it just went so wrong in my eyes. That is like a slap in the face to the people saying, and plus the way you've gone about spending this winter, or lack of spending, I should say. Oh, lack of spending the past two Because here's the thing. I'm going to jump the gun on something real quick. Marcel Azuna, who is a great outfielder, who was with the Arizona, uh, not the Arizona, the St. Louis Cardinals the past couple of years, signed with Atlanta for one year and $18 million. That would have been justifiable to add him as a healthy player with power to the middle of your order, and instead he goes to Atlanta and you don't even offer him a contract. I am... That's what they're doing. They're just sitting there like, all right, let's just enjoy Lindor while we have him, and we'll say the same thing for Jose Ramirez, too. Oh, we let go. I mean, Jose Jose's in a different situation, but I'm just, I'm just insanely livid over this. Yes, I know Lindor is probably not going to be re-signed. 99% chance it doesn't happen. However, I'm. it's just not fair to expect Dolan to come out and say this and be like, oh, yeah, uh, I felt like that whole thing about, like, the fans buying the suites and everything, that was a setup to be like, you know, enjoy him. Like, t- what are you doing? Like, if you're in a championship window, why do you keep decreasing payroll from 120 to, like, 100 and now it's, like, 90 to $85 million? It's not uh, going to work. It may work for one more year. But you're not going to be able to sustain it. Why do you keep cutting payroll? Like, what? Why? I don't see the need to because unless you and your, what, cousin James Dolan over in New York, right in the Knicks, are broke, then sell the team before something else happens. And I'm not saying this just because selling the team would mean spending a ton of money. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have totally been toned up to the fan base the past couple years now and it feels like you're coming off as disingenuous in my eyes i'm not saying this for enzo i'm saying this in my eyes you're being disingenuous and you're not being fair to the fans here what do you have to say i mean just pick on what you have said not being fair to the fans to most of the average ones that usually sit in the corners sit upper deck sit in the bleachers he's not being fair to any of one he's just wants all the big uh people with the money to come in and do that and he's like but what is he going to do with this money? What if he, even if you do get more corporate people to come into the games and stuff, are you going to actually go out and spend and keep this contention window to go on for a little bit longer? Will he do that? I don't I've know. I've had the theory he, in the past that if the Dolans were willing to lock up Lindor, even if it was like to an Arenado-type deal where he had an earlier opt-out, not like where he had an opt-out towards the back end of the contract, but he had an early opt-out after like the second or third year of the contract where you get him maybe for an extra year or two and at, at a more premium price, the fans would be willing to come. I don't think so anymore after what he said the other night. For And it, it varies depending on the fan. I'm still a hardcore fan. I'm going to show up because I love baseball. It's in my blood. But 
for others, I don't know how they're going to react to this. I don't. I mean, I say as a fan, I'm like just not happy that your own like calling you, if you're calling trying to say like, saying, like attendance uh, is declining. That reason is why. And I don't know what PR did with that speech if they had any point in that. But my gosh, that felt so tone deaf to say that. Like, and you're if you had been spending this winter and trying to build up the roster besides Caesar Hernandez. Yeah, I would give you a pass on that. But right now, as things are, no. I mean, I I don't I'm at a loss for words, Enzo. I really am. It's just disappointing to me how Dolan has acted lately. And I'm not expecting him to go and sign a 100 million dollar free agents left and right. No, I... but I'm expecting him to do something to maintain competitiveness instead of just cutting payroll for a couple of consecutive years. That's not what you need to be doing. You need to actually be spending spend out of your own pocket because i know it's going to hurt in the short term but you're a billionaire owner Owner. if you're if you're spending out of pocket a little bit more for two three or four years before you have to go into a rebuild retool mode fine but don't tell me you're going to cry poor after you cut all this payroll and then whenever you go into your rebuild you're like oh we don't have any money it's like well no no crap that this happened and that's – I think we're just going to leave that there. And leave that there. That. I mean uh, – Let that marinate, and we'll come back to this in hopefully two weeks when regular programming resumes. Because I do want to note for anyone who's listening out there, this is not a regular show time. This was a specially approved show that we got to come in and do today. Uh, regular programming will start the day after the Super Bowl. So what would that be? That would, that be, would be the – Monday, Monday the 3rd will be the start of regular programming Hopefully, we'll be back on air on Fridays. However, we don't know what time that could be. But we're just being straight up transparent with you all right now from the get-go. Let's talk a little bit about Cavs real quick because I know you wanted to touch on this. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, haven't really paid. They they lost again last night to – I don't know. I I watched some of the game. I don't even remember who they played. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's you know they played Washington the Wizards yeah that's the Wizards have some good pieces have, it's just you know without no John, John Wall, Wall they don't really have a way to make it to the playoffs unless Bradley Beal plays out of his mind but as you kind of look at this team right now and having two veterans Tristan Thompson yeah. Kevin Love Kevin ex- Love seems like he, he really doesn't want to be here it's the more because I don't think he likes Sean Beeline to be honest I think he likes the players I just think he doesn't want to be with Beeline because he's more that yeah. college coach. And I and think Beeline's still adjusting. Like Even Brad adjusting. Stevens probably had this mm, sort of stuff happen, but not to the same degree, you know? I mean, Beeline has been in the, was in the college game for over three or four decades. So that's something that, you know, everyone's going to have to adjust to. But we want to know, and please tweet at us, at FitzOnSportsBSR, at JohnnyEnzo2, at Pass underscore the underscore Mike underscore. What do you think about... Uh, Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson? Who's the most likely to get traded of the two if you just had to pick one? Is it the rental in Thompson or is it the long-term contract who could maybe fetch you a little bit of extra value in Love? Let us know because this is something that's interesting and I'm going to be actually uh, covering the game as a media member tomorrow night. So if you're uh, looking forward to watching that game, know that I'll be there. I'll be tweeting out live updates covering some of the press conference. For Joe, John Beeline, pregame and postgame, and I'll be writing a game story to come out later that night. Facing the Chicago Bulls tomorrow. Yep, that's right. 
So that Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. Oh yeah, I watched that game against the Knicks. Oh my gosh, how do you lose to the Knicks? The one, probably one of the worst run teams in the NBA. We lose to them. There, that was embar- That was kind of embarrassing. I gotta yeah. say, you losing to the New York Knicks. We even had a better record than them too. So, <laughs> hey, it's another that. Dolan. It's another Dolan. We- That's the one. Do- I I need to get Ryan Landoff back on here sometime with uh, the breakfast speculation theory that we had from uh, a Fitz and Spinell show where uh, Mitch had to go uh, run something uh, down in a I forget where it was at, but I will not dive into it here right now. But I would rather have Ryan explain it in his own words, or if I can find the audio uh, for a later show. But uh, yeah, and then. Uh, do you know what time we got Q calling in? Uh, I'll, I'll text on the Collins. But uh, we, I know that the big thing is Kevin Stefanski hired from Minnesota as the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, rumors of uh, assistant GM from Minnesota, George Payton, uh, possibly being the next GM or one of the candidates along with Andrew Barry. And uh, I forget the guy from New England's name, uh, but it's not Nick Casario. Uh there's just a lot of stuff still going on with GM search and possibly Stefanski maybe not hiring an offense coordinator. We'll see about that. I mean, I think he should hire. A I think he coordinator. should, but I think with the staff he's putting together, it might work. I'm not saying it's going to be a Freddie thing because I think no Freddie just did whatever he wanted and didn't listen to Todd Munkin at all or didn't listen to Steve Wilkes. He just did whatever but, he wanted. That's what I but, read. But. But he wouldn't go with the game plan. They would have a meeting on game plan, and, and Freddie Kitchens would, would just do what he just wouldn't listen. He would just yeah. do the game, do what he wanted, and that's what cost him his job right there. He just mm-hmm. thought he was able to do it, man. It was the first time of him ever having a big head coach role in any sport. In period, like I don't I even mean, think he ever coached t-ball or pee-wee soccer. Don't go that far. Come on, that's kind of insulting. That's, I mean, that is no, kind of whatever, insulting. whatever. He was terrible. And we got he, and guess what? Uh, the New York Giants had all the teams picked him up to be his coach. So what? You got him and Jason Garrett on the same coaching staff. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I mean, mean, depending Garrett, on what kind of Jason Garrett is a good offensive good. mind as an offensive coordinator, I think he'll do well. But I think Freddie Kitchens will be a good hire because he's not an incompetent coach. He lasted in Arizona for a couple of regimes. So I think Freddie will, whatever role he's going to be in, even though it's not offensive coordinator, I think he'll be a good coach. It's not something to take lightly. Hey, what he what was he the running backs coach? He was the running backs coach. I think he'll us. do fine. Let's say let's say he's coaching Saquon Barkley. I think he'll coax a lot out of him. Uh, you know, out in New York, if that's his role, I need to look it up because I have not looked up Freddie Kitchen's name in a few weeks. But we'll see about that. Uh, We've got a ton of stuff. I mean, just a lot of fallout from other stories that have been happening over the last couple of weeks that still kind of just trickling in. Uh, Hall of Fame stuff from baseball and more. So keep it locked in as we're going to hit a quick break and see you on the other side. And welcome back to Pass the Mic. And I believe we have Quentin Griffin on that line. What's up, buddy? How we doing? How you doing, Q? Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. yeah I haven't seen you since yesterday. Yeah, in our you... phenomenal class. Oh, yeah, <laughs> our wonderful class we have together. Just, yeah, just I saw him there. on Wednesday, so that's been, what, two days now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've, I have class with both the past the mic anchors. Yeah, and yeah. I've got uh, Brandon's World 2 for one of my other classes, so that's even better. That's the guy. We've got, we got everybody going on here. The only one that we're missing are Wilcox and Rico and then uh, the other half of Victory Formation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
But man, so, it's good. It's good to hear you on here, Q. And uh, funny enough, we were just talking. Yeah, it's yeah we got uh, a lot to say on our our new head coach of the Cleveland Browns, uh, Kevin Stefanski, who was oh, uh, your Vikings offensive coordinator. And I know you've got some stuff to talk about this. Yeah, we, got, we, we just want to get your opinion on uh, Stefanski. Um, I don't know, man. It was like a two-headed monster this year with the offense, with uh, Kubiak and Stefanski. Um, personally, only time will tell. Um, I don't know if you guys are paying attention or not, but Kubiak was just named offensive coordinator yeah, for the Bucks, and Stefanski looks like he's going to be spearheading the offense, maybe signing an offensive coordinator, maybe maybe calling plays, maybe not. So. We'll see. We'll see who is really pulling the strings and helps Kirk Cousins have the best year of his career this year, whether that be Kubiak or whether that be Stefanski. Um, if, if we're putting exonoses inside and, and talking about just his mannerisms and and his ability to lead, I think that goes without question that Stefanski's a much better leader than Freddie Kitchens was last year. Um, he has proved this year that he can deal with big personalities in the locker room. Um, he was the offensive coordinator when the Vikings were two and two, and Diggs was calling for a trade, and Thielen was in the news, pissed off, and then they went on a roll and won six games, and went to the playoffs, beat the Saints, and were two games away from the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it it it'll time will tell, and it's the Cleveland Browns, so you can't really count anything in. Um, you know how pressure creates diamonds? Well, pressure also creates turds, and the Cleveland Browns <laughs> has created a lot of turds lately, not not very uh, many diamonds. Uh, yes. I mean, that's, that's an interesting analogy right there. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> that's something yeah. I never thought I'd hear that. But, uh, I mean, I'm at least optimistic because I, I know that uh, I posted an article on uh, the site saying that the fear it felt like over Stefanski's hiring – versus all the other hirings, it kind of felt like the 2018 draft with Baker and Denzel where I feel like they got the picks right and then you got Stefanski, that kind of same feeling. Like like you're not sure like it was completely the right move? No, I'm more so like I feel better that people are so against it in okay. the fandom versus like our, the Brown. And I don't know if this is something that you notice at all, Q. I, I don't know how plugged in you are to the Cleveland stuff. But with the Browns, like, People usually, when they're for something, it doesn't seem to work out. When they're against something, it seems like it works out better. Like Baker, Denzel, and that's what I'm hoping happens with Stefanski. What's your, what do you think is going? On? What do you think of that take? Um, I mean, Browns fans tend to be Buckeyes fans, and yes. you know my stance on Buckeyes fans. Yes, I do. Arrogant. Yes. They're stupidly arrogant and think that they're always right. And uh, I guess you can't you can't dismay that most most masculine men that are 19 to 20 some years old always think they're right. So I guess, I guess that could fall in the same category as me, <laughs> but uh, I think all Buckeye of us fans, here, yeah. I think, I think are the absolute worst. And you, you, you never know, man. I, I, it's the Cleveland Browns. Like I said before, anything can happen. Um, I think Stefanski was the right guy for the job. I think McDaniels is too, too big headed and needs everything to be his way or the highway. Yeah, yeah, I don't think yeah. that would have worked well with these with these personalities you have in the locker room. You need somebody that'll that'll mend bridges, not break them down. So Stefanski can do that. It'll just boil down to whether or not he gets the X's and O's right. He brought in a top. I can't, I can't remember the offensive Bill line coach. Bill, Bill Callahan, one of the top offensive line coaches in the NFL. That was um, an absolute was coup right there. That was that was one of the questions when they hired him is if he could build a staff around him himself. 
only working in Minnesota for the. the, yeah, the he's got Callahan. He's got Joe Woods NFL. coming in from 49ers, who helped create yeah, that, the that, that, what the no fly zone in Denver. I mean that and, those are and, some big gets. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it'll just it'll just it, time will tell here with this team. They have the pieces. I think running the ball with Nick Chubb and if they keep Kareem Hunt and. And, and getting that offense going and, and adopting the kind of system like they played in Minnesota this year with the run setting up the pass, I think that could help them out a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so what about the rumors of the Browns uh, maybe hire uh, the former Vikings assistant GM, George Patton? Do you think he is still, he's still, he's still, he's still, still the assistant still GM. The GM. Uh, what do you think about that move of having him have the full like GM role instead of just being an assistant? I think it's going to help a lot with the continuity. Um, they worked hand-in-hand. Him and Stefanski worked hand-in-hand in Minnesota. And um, Minnesota's had some fantastic draft classes. And and he's Peyton is essentially the head of the scouting team along with Rick Spielman in Minnesota. So I, I think it's going to be a solid hire. I think um, Dorsey did a fantastic job of getting football players in there. It just didn't work out in the end. Um, yeah. He put his head out there for – Dorsey, I mean, uh, excuse me, Dorsey put his head out there for Kitchens and got his head chopped off, you know? Right. So it, it, it'll, it'll boil down to whether whether they think that Peyton and Stefanski will be a good marriage of coach and GM and, and, and getting the best possible players into Cleveland. And honestly, I don't, I don't, this is, this is a non-story to me. They, they have the players. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it's a matter of putting, putting the good product out in the field. Right. Yeah, that's what it has in. And yeah. uh, speaking of uh, John Dorsey, uh, he, Used to be the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs too, and with uh, the team he built up, and after he left, uh, the Chiefs are, went to the AFC Championship twice. Now they're going to the Super Bowl. So, Q, let's just get into some uh, Super Bowl talk right now. Going into Super Bowl Fifty Four between the Chiefs and the Forty ers I gotta say, who do you like the most in this game? Honestly, me and my buddies were talking about it a little bit earlier this morning playing PlayStation. I have no idea who's going to win this football game. Um, I think the key for the Chiefs, um, I think the key of the Chiefs will be getting out and getting a lead and making Jimmy G beat you. Um, the Vikings, when, when the game was in contention, I don't know if you guys watched a little bit of the Vikings. I did. Game, but I did. When the game was in contention in the, in the first half, it was a game. You, you could tell they were going back and forth. Um, the Vikings got behind the sticks a little bit and, and needed to throw the ball, and the interception to Sherman pretty much sealed their fate because they, they they couldn't run the ball and they were down so much that the, the front four of the Niners could pin their ears back and rush and they could drop seven. And then on offense, they just ran the ball down their throat, kind of like what they did against the Packers. So if the Chiefs can handle the early onslaught and not make the mistakes that the Vikings and the Packers made early in the game, they will, they will be in control of this because they have the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, when you're playing in the Super Bowl, the better quarterback wins. And... I, I think if you put that pressure on Jimmy G and, and let him know that he's going to have to throw the ball for them to win, we could see another one of those pressure situations where pressure either creates a diamond or pressure creates a turd. Yeah, I yeah. got to agree yeah. with you on that. And Q, uh, it's, uh, Quinn Griffin of Victory Formation, folks, if you just tuning in. Q, I have to agree with a lot of what you're saying here. Uh, I just don't know. Like, I don't think Patrick Mahomes has ever gone up against defense like this where you got a front four, front seven, and a secondary that are just so complete. And then the Chiefs, I mean the 49ers, I don't know if they've ever gone up against any type of quarterback that besides Russell Wilson, who's I think just a little bit below Mahomes. They're both in the top tier, but 
I don't think there he's faced anyone who's like Mahomes, who's just but as mobile look, and has a rocket of rocket of an arm. Like look, look across, look across the Kansas City offense. I mean, you have it's just speed. Got, it's pure speed. Hardman, Hill. Hardman, oh my God. Hill. Hill. Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey is a monster. I, That's the interesting yeah, matchup. Sammy is that Watkins. You got Kelsey versus Kittle. Marcus Robinson. Kelsey versus Kittle too. on each side. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how they utilize the tight ends. I think that might be the X factor here is how much production can you get out of Kelsey and how much out of Kittle. Because I think that I, could. I think the X factor is whether or not the Chiefs can force Jimmy G to beat him. Um, you've seen what that zone run to the passing game gets you. But the zone run to the play action doesn't work when you're down 14 points or you're down right. 10 points and you have to throw the ball. The play action won't matter. And you get into a drop-back game against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I give the advantage to Patrick Mahomes every single time, every day of the week against anyone. The only thing that I think worries me is that the Chiefs have gone off to a little bit of a slow start in their first uh, two games of the playoffs. And the 49ers have usually been out in front during those first two games on their end. Well, if they yeah, fall the, behind, the Chiefs, where, where that, does that put the that Chiefs at? That is a very valid point. You where does that put the Chiefs early. at? Yeah. Because I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to come back if they're down 14 Usually when 14 the 49ers are ahead, they usually just keep the lead. Yeah. That's how it's been during the regular season. The only time I could think about it not being that way would be with the Seahawks. That might be the only time. So so here's my prediction, fellas. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys can stew about this. I like Patrick Mahomes to be hosting the Lombardi Trophy. I like the Chiefs 31-20. to 20. Ooh, Big wow. Win. Going with the Chiefs on this one. I got to say, I think if the Kansas City defense can do the same thing they did against Derrick Henry uh, in the AFC Championship game and do it to the 49ers too, because the 49ers ran the ball most of the game with Raheem Morstead. Like that guy r- literally ran over the Packers defense, and then they got and Trevor Coleman too. And he has a former too. Cleveland Brown. Cleveland Lab, of course, yes, you need to bring that up too. So if I think if the Chiefs can stop the run game on the 49ers and have Garoppolo throw more, I think that would be a big advantage to them on the defensive side too. And the Chiefs defense, much better this season than it was last season, especially adding in the Honey Badger too. Yeah, for me... I'm very on the fence on this. I feel like I'm flip-flopping every day on my pick. If Based off the discussion we've had right now, if you're just holding a gun to my head, I'd say that the 49ers would win by three points by a 31-28 to 28 score. Again, I've been flip-flopping on this. I may not have a finalized pick until, what, when we uh, write that article up that BSR does every year on the Super Bowl pick. I just think that the if the Chiefs fall behind early, just like they had the first two games, they're not going to be able to get right back in it. Because even though the Titans were have a very good defense, it's not, not the same level as the 49ers. The 49- you have, their defense I'm, is I'm just curious how they're going to have Tyreek Hill line up and McCole Hardman and then how much production they'll get out of Damian Williams. Because that Chiefs awesome offensive line can be a little bit shaky. And if you got Bosa and all those guys getting... To, through the line and to Mahomes early, I don't know how well he's going to perform on the back end if he gets worn down. That's I'm just, right there with you, man. Yeah. So, and I did want to talk a little bit before, uh, if depending on how much time you had about MLB. Of course, uh, we've had the whole fallout from the sign stealing scandal from the Astros. You've had AJ Hinch and Loonhow fired and levied uh, penalties against the organization of traffic losses, fines, uh, etc. You've got Alex Cora, who is a main part in that, uh, parted ways with the Red Sox, although basically fired, if you want to 
determine it that way. And then you also have uh, Carlos Beltran, who at the time was a player and was hired this offseason as the Mets manager. He was let go after all this. And you had, I believe his replacement was hired, Luis Rojas uh, was hired as his replacement. But you're still, you still have all this going on. What Like the sign-stealing thing and just everyone getting on him. What's your whole take on this? It's a three-letter word. It rhymes with bat. They are all rats. Rats, I tell you. They have destroyed the name of the Houston Astros. They've tainted their World Series. I mean, I I don't disagree with you, or or I would never come out and say that they probably don't have the best team in the MLB from from top to bottom. But they're rats. They they the cheating ain't trying thing that that doesn't fly with me. Um, I, I've never been a huge fan of the Patriots and their little petty ways to try to get an edge. And this is stepping far over the line. I, I, I enjoyed that video of Alex Bregman more than anyone should ever probably enjoy a video of someone just completely choked up and not being able to stare and stare into the media's eyes. I mean, he was completely embarrassed, and he sh- as he should be. He, yeah. he is disgraced to baseball. Anytime you talk about Alex Bregman, Alex Cora, anybody on that team that was directly associated with that, the only thing you're – and the first thing you're going to think of is the cheating scandal. And that is going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. We're talking about Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, two players who were staring at Cooperstown. And if they get into the Hall of Fame and Barry Bonds and people like that who actually had to still swing the bat and not know what was coming don't get in, I think that's a mockery. Stealing signs, in my opinion, especially electronically – it's worse than taking steroids, and I don't even think it's questionable or debatable. At yeah, this point. I really don't think it is. I would definitely say the science ceiling is way worse as the way how they were doing it with the different signals they were giving out in the stadium, knowing what those pitches were. And you, you saw it with some of them, like they were able to hit that ball out of the park, get a double here and there. And I think it really has tarnished like Altuve's, Bregman's, just legacy of them as the players, and also the Houston Astros too. It's this will like really hurt him for like the next twenty to thirty years as just a franchise that you were known for uh, cheating to win a World Series and made it made it to another one too. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that the steroid era of baseball. I mean, it was bad what those guys did: Canseco, Bonds, McGuire. But I gotta say that era was fun to watch. If you just watch old YouTube video clips of that, you just they, see these guys still, crush these balls. They still had to know. They did, they still had to guess what pitch was coming. I mean, Barry Bonds. You could argue that he wasn't going to be the, the the greatest player ever, and as good as he was, but he still hit those balls. He still had to had to time the pitches up. If if I'm standing there and I know when what a pitch is coming, it, it's easy for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, like if you know a pitch is coming and you know what it is. Like, that's, like, that would be, like, the ultimate cheat code. And it basically is. I don't even know any high schools that could even think of something that elaborate because, you know, you've got all that open space and everything. But still, the fact that we're talking about sign stealing as the biggest scandal of, what, the end of last decade, the beginning of this decade, who would have thought? I mean, and what's this do for, like, the Red Sox, though, with uh, their own scandal with uh, the technology? It's not necessarily... uh, you know, uh, the same kind of stuff, but it's basically, you know, relaying through electronics signals in, and it's not a live feed, but what do you think of that? I, I don't know. I, I, I just think, I, I think 
in my personal opinion, I think this is this shouldn't be a conversation about the I mean the Red Sox. It should be a conversation about the Astros and what we can do in the future to prevent it, because they're they can just do it again. I mean, there's yeah. no. I, I don't I don't know what you do to solve it. Um, I was spitballing and I was a little bit drunk and I posted something on Twitter about how that you know how in the NFL the compete I mean the quarterback and the co- the offensive coordinator have a headset and and the little mic in the co- the quarterback's helmet tells what plays they they're they're going to try to run initially obviously you can run audibles and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you you could you could say that that could be an idea for the NFL I mean the MLB to implement you know putting putting mouthpieces or or something in the catcher's mask where he tells them what pitch to hit or or you can just give it to the to the manager and the manager could have like a play sheet or something over their face where they're saying what pitch to throw and and, and well, I think they should the do. signs need to get more elaborate what I think they should do is like you know how the NCAA has those probation officers uh that'll be checking in have something like that where like you have an MLB designated official not necessarily like a, a an umpire but designated official checking that nothing nefarious is going on at the you know the clubhouse and dugout level mm-hmm. uh, around like each MLB team's you know area and then try and like from there it's kind of narrowed down to focusing on are they using technology somewhere else in the stadium to be able to relay, relay stuff out. I think that might be the easiest way and maybe the least corruptible way too. That's yeah, a, we shall see. Yeah. Um, I want to get your guys' take on this. I'm a big MLB The Show guy. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys Xbox or PS4 users? I yeah. don't have PS4. You know, I, I don't PS4. have either of those, but I know my brother does have at least an Xbox. PS4. Are you guys excited about MLB coming to multiple platforms? I mean, that would be good. I, I mean, that would be awesome good. just hearing about it. Because I well, last MLB game on the Xbox had to be when 2K Sports was doing the game, and then I think well, they it stopped is, it, it is after 13. In the, works. The, the 2021 version of MLB The Show, because they're coming out with the 20 version this year, the 2021 version will be on all platforms and PC. So that's mm, huge that, for the for the baseball gaming community as a whole, and it's huge for Xbox fans because I know personally when I was thinking about what console I was going to get, the first thing that came to my mind was how can I play the show if I get an Xbox? I yeah, mean, it's going to be right. huge. Yeah, I used to be an Xbox person for a while, and then I made the switch to PS4 a couple years ago just you know, just to play certain games that aren't available on Xbox. Even though all my friends like, yo, you got to get the Xbox One, man. You got to play Fortnite and Call of Duty with us. Right. But uh, Q, do you have anything else that you want to plug? Um, I don't need to plug anything. I just hate the Dolans. They're also we yeah, we, we had a whole rant on that. Yeah, we went if over. If you want to go into the archives and listen to that, I have absolutely no idea how uh, Fred McLeod didn't win the Lifetime Award. And that, that's those a point. Rat Dolans yeah. did. The that's a point that I miss Dolans. out on. How the heck do you not give it to Fred McLeod or even just his, his like wife. Fred McLeod's family? I'd be like, you know, let them talk. I don't know if it's just like you know the issue of having living versus deceased or what that like and if you want to listen it, to a cue like pull, pull up the archives and hear disgusting disgusting how his they speech, gave that yeah. to the Dolans. Yeah. pull up yeah. the archives and listen through to uh the 13 13- oh no i listened i yeah. listened i just wanted to add oh yeah i just add i just want to get your take on like the end of his speech too because oh my gosh that drove sean and i really crazy not too long ago. i mean i, I mean, was what, what do you expect from him at this point you know 
I was expecting him not to say that. the worst owner in Major League Baseball, and it's not even debatable wow. at this point. You he's think worse he's, than the Marlins? Not the Marlins. Yes. Jeff Loria's gone. There's Whatever. someone else who's still worse than MLB. There, there's somebody else. No. He's the, Mar- the, he's the worst owner in Major League Baseball. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He, he, yeah. is, he is choking away the greatest player in Indians history. Or not the greatest player, but one of the top top five greatest players in Indians history to save a quick buck. Yeah, he's been Lindor's been our best player in the past ten years, too. i got to say that. A couple of other stars just couldn't really stay healthy. It, and then just, Lindor will show up, and he's been the best. And it's despicable, and I don't I, – yeah. I, I was writing a paper for my sport and society class, and I was talking about – it was sport autobiography, and I was talking about how you fell in love with sports. And I fell in love with sports because of baseball, because yeah, of watching the Indians, because too. of watching Same. Jim Tomey and him crush the baseball. Omar and Vizcal. now that I think about watching sports, I've had more fun watching the Cavs, watching – Penn State football, watching the Vikings go on their runs, watching Villanova basketball, then I have watching the cat. I mean, watching the Indians play, and yeah. that's the reason I love sports in the first place because baseball. Yeah, and I could say the only two owners for sure in sports that are worse than uh, Paul Dolan are James Dolan of the Knicks and uh, Dan Snyder. What about Jimmy Haslam? I think Jimmy uh, Haslam. Should be. I think ha- I would say Dolan has the edge over Haslam in the Cleveland sports. I, Haslam's probably the no. worst. I think uh, Dan Gilbert did the best because he's the one who wants to tie. He's willing it's to pay players. Gil, it's probably Dan Gilbert, Gilbert, Dolan, Haslam. Yeah, that's how it probably goes. You're right. Yeah, but I'm just talking about, like, if we're talking about the worst owners in sports, I think uh, Snyder and uh, uh, the other Dolan have, I, have a leg I've out. heard Ron Rivera took the job with the Redskins over to the Browns because he didn't want to deal with Jimmy Haslam. I mean... Is that a speculation? Must, or? He, yeah, it is a reckless speculation. He must rather be, work with Dan Snyder over Jimmy Haslam just because Jimmy Haslam went through so many head coaches. I in mean, he eight probably years. just wanted to get out of the overall dysfunction of Cleveland. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I want to talk about, switching back to baseball here for a minute Derek Jeter, Larry Walker have been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. What the heck with that one writer who did not vote for Jeter? I, if it got lost in the mail somehow, I will understand because I've heard that has happened before. But if they just decided not to buffer Jeter, I, I I think it's funny how everybody worships Derek Jeter's defense and Omar Vizquel. I think his, it's I would say so for me, his career for defensive me, run yeah. save season was better than Derek Jeter's best. I gotta say I, this. I don't know. Say this about I don't Jeter. Know how Omar Vizquel? Is I think it's just the way that Jeter carried himself. Well, I think that's why. Himself. I mean, he's got the World well, Series ring and all that. But let me put people in the Hall of Fame for how how nice they are. You know. Right. I mean, if we're not talking about how, how good they are at baseball, the whole process, how baseball determines their Hall of Famers, it's broken, and it's a mockery, and it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they have, most of the Yankee I want players all are the, the ballots, Hall of Fame. I want all the ballots released. I want them all released, and I, I want think to Omar. I think Omar will get in either next year or the next No, he's never going to get in. Mean, Omar's going to get in. He got a big yeah, boost. He got a big boost. I got to say this about Omar versus Jeter. Uh, Omar Vizquel was a much better defender than Jeter, mm-hmm. but I would well, say uh, Derek Jeter was a better but, hitter than Omar Vizquel. Was a definite, he was a better hitter. better hitter. But Omar Vizquel is dead Three seasons at shortstop. You know, shortstop, MLB, probably the most active position in baseball. Three seasons at shortstop in the MLB where he made five or fewer errors. Do you want to know how many other seasons in MLB history are like that? Probably three. Not three. Yeah. three. Three other seasons has an MLB shortstop made five or, I mean, yeah, five or fewer errors. And Omar Vizquel has all three of the other ones. Yeah. I mean, that in itself is, is ridiculous. 
shortstop is one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging position to play in baseball, and Omar just did it with ease. And I just think it's disgusting how he hasn't been put in the Hall of Fame yet. Yeah, and I think he will because he got a big boost compared to last year. I don't think it'll be next year that he gets in, but I think by year seven, year eight, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Thank you so much, Q, for calling in. Yeah, thank you, Q. Absolutely, brother. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, talk to you later. bro. All right, and that was Quinn Griffin of Victory Formation. And uh, it's so good to be able to have folks on like that. Uh, if I could just hit something He's right trying here. to hang up the phone right now. Oh, there folks. we go. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been on – we haven't been in the Let's studio since, like, early December. Like, what was it, December 5th or 6th? It had, if I'm not, yeah, it if I'm not mistaken, because, yeah, Friday the 13th was uh, the end of finals week uh, back in December. Yes, I know that off the top of my head because of – Reasons. Friday the 13th, that's why. <laughs> but uh, it's just, you know, and we got into some of the stuff that we were going to talk about during some of the second hour. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll get into some NBA talk. Hopefully we get, uh, you know, Alex Wilcox to come in. Uh, coming up, uh, we won't go to break just yet because I do want to discuss the poll real quick uh, in a second. Uh, we will have Cam Seco, a good friend of mine, calling in, talk a little bit about UFC, Conor McGregor, also uh, a couple other miscellaneous items. Uh, to be determined once he gets on air. And then uh, just a little bit about uh, college football championship as well. And uh, we might have some stuff going on. But the poll, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we posted, at least on Twitter that I know of, uh, what is the worst thing that's happened to baseball in regards to, like, scandals? Is it the gambling? Is it the steroids? Or is it sign stealing? And... Uh, do you have an update on that, Enzo? Uh, yes, let me just get to that really soon. All right, update on the amount of people who voted. So, so far, 44% of people say uh, sign stealing, 56% of people say steroids, 0% so far for gambling with Pete Rose. So, zero gambling, it sounds like steroids is the worst right now? Sounds like steroids, which I have to disagree with that. The steroid era was probably one of the funnest eras of baseball to watch. And it was it was fun, fun, but it was just, just not, not authentic. Fair. Authentic. It was just you know fake. It was like you know if you have a bunch of bodybuilders playing. baseball. I'm not going to say what I voted on there, just so that way you have to keep guessing. And uh, that is something with me having studio withdrawal is not remembering how to run the board sometimes. Welcome back to Pass the Mic Sports Talk, second hour of our special show for today. Uh, we've got, uh, as I said, my good friend uh, Cam Seco calling in fairly soon as we're just waiting for him to call in. Uh, it's just been, uh, you know, it's been a good day so far just being back in the studio. As I said, studio withdrawal is a thing. If you know somebody who has it, please make sure to forward them to... Max Girl Radio to reapply. Uh, hold on just a second. Uh, I will be right back. Well, we'll see you in with that soon. At the end of the show, past the mic, we will have a special surprise for all you ladies out there coming to our show this upcoming semester. So stay tuned at the end. Tune in at around 2.55 to hear the big announcement from past the mic. And I think right, we're getting we Cam on the phone right now. Sean will be getting on. We're talking some UFC. All right, you there, buddy? Yeah, yeah. What's up, guys? How are you? How you doing, Cam? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you're yeah, welcome. I'm glad we were able to fit you on, Cam. It's good. To, it's good to hear your voice again after you know a little bit. of I know how busy you are down at OU, and I know this is something you've been wanting to talk about. Connor McGregor, hey. your boy, your boy, Connor McGregor, my friend. My man, my man. 
Yeah, he he made a big comeback big, at uh, yeah, UFC. No, was it, it? I would say big comeback, but dude, it was a. I mean, I know, it was he vicious. literally, really, once you saw him broke uh, Cowboys a uh, no, you knew he was going to yeah. win. I knew that immediately. Yeah, and speaking of the, just the match overall, like wasn't this his first UFC match back? And what? How long was since, it? I think it was two years, and he lost yeah, to yeah, Khalid. Two years since the Habib uh, submission, so it was it was definitely a long time in the making. But um, you know, he's back, baby. Forty seconds? Are you kidding 40, me? Are you it, kidding me? It was crazy. That fight was crazy. I watched that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he just did that. He literally just he really went at him. He like wanted him to go down immediately, like TKO. Mike. I mean, I am it was so just impressed. Vicious. It was vicious. Dude. That's just how and McGregor I, is. Yeah, he, he wasn't playing any games. I mean, you could tell if you watched the uh, press conference before the fight. I mean, this is a very focused, you know, a very non-talkative, respectful, which is you know something that he's definitely you know uh, <laughs> changed and kind of grown into. So to see that and to see his face and his you know uh, demeanor, you know, he meant business and he made that obvious. You know, forty seconds in when the fight was called, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's just one of those things where, like, even, like, for folks like us who are just watching that, it's just, like, 40 seconds and he just TKOs him. It's just, like, yeah. ooh. Yeah, yeah, this was... yeah. I mean, eye-opening for for a lot of people, for all the, you know, haters, all the people saying, this is, you know, he needs to win this fight. Well, he did, and he did in a fashion to where he has options now, you know, so. Yeah. And speaking of those options, what's going to happen going forward with him having uh, won this match against uh, Dallas? Yeah, so it was uh, it was definitely a must win. Um, looking at his career, especially coming after a loss, or uh, you know, off of a loss and not fighting in a while, uh, you know, now he's got. I I kind of see three main options. Um, you know, he has expressed the wanting to uh, go fight for the BMF belt, um, which is currently held by Masvidal. Um, so that's that's option number one. Option number two uh, would be the Habib rematch. Yeah, I've been is, seeing you know, a lot of stuff on that lately. He's really kind of been going at McGregor on social media, Habib. Absolutely, absolutely. And Habib fights Tony uh, Ferguson in April. So uh, I think Habib, personally, you know, as a McGregor fan, he's got a demon in front of him he's got to worry about. So, um, And that's, I think that's the only thing that's kind of uh, not allowing that fight to kind of come to fruition right away is that Habib's already fighting in April. So if they were to fight, it probably wouldn't be – for a couple months post April, mm-hmm. so uh, which leads to the third option, which I think is the uh, Diaz trilogy, um, which would be the third fight. You know, uh, Diaz won the first one, uh, Connor won the second, and this would be uh, the third one. So he, he's got options, and like I said, it was a must win because if he doesn't win that fight against Cerrone, you know those options aren't there. Um, so now that he has options, I guess it, you know we're kind of just waiting. It's a waiting game, and we'll see uh, what Dana and him decide to do. So. Yeah, Cam Seco, for those of you who don't know, he's gone in, good friend of mine from Athens, a uh, big Conor McGregor expert in my eyes. Uh, with uh, I know you mentioned uh, with the fight, though, like uh, with uh, Habib already uh, hooked up with another fight. Why does it take so long for fights to go on for those who are more like the casual fan, if you could explain that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it takes a lot uh, going into a fight. You know, these fighters train uh, day in and day out for weeks and months uh, leading up to the fights, you know, mastering their craft while studying the craft of the opponent um, to know what they expect. So uh, they got to, you know, sometimes gain weight, cut weight, you know. It's it's nothing that can be done overnight. And, you know, um, there's also after each fight, there's a recovery period. Luckily for Connor, you know, in that Cerrone fight, he didn't really get hit. So um, his recovery period was is probably over as we speak. So um, as opposed to Cerrone, who uh, just it was just announced by the UFC, they suspended him six months um, for his own health and safety 
um, because of how bad his orbital bone wow. uh, fractured and messed up. Wow. So again, and, and that's the that's the thing. You know, it's it's a tough game. It's a rough game. You know, people get hurt, people get injured, um, and that's why you got to give credit to Dana White for being, you know, that guy um, to be able to make that call and say, hey, you should step down. You know, step back from the game and you know really reevaluate your health as a person. So. Um, you know, Dana's always been fantastic at that. So, yeah, it just goes into training, preparation, you know, uh, weight cutting, weight gaining. You know, Connor has fought at 145. This was at 170, uh, 175. So, uh, you know, 25 pounds, if my math is correct, it's not, you know, coming overnight. It's not necessarily easy. It's definitely an adjustment for the body. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's a lot of great insight with UFC. Uh, I know Enzo was interested in this, and uh, we might have touched about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Just the whole reaction, you're down in Athens, Ohio, at Ohio University, and of course Athens is where Joe Burrow, LSU's quarterback, former Ohio State QB, and most likely the number one pick in uh, this upcoming April's draft is from. What was the reaction down in Athens during that title game? I saw many of my friends with some videos, and they were, they were going pretty crazy down there on Athens yeah, all around but, the court But from, from, what, from what you saw, give us your take. Yeah. You know what? I'd have to agree with you there. I was one of them going crazy. I mean, this city, uh, Athens, such a tight-knit community. And, you know, when a hometown guy like Joey B uh, goes out there and performs the way he did and did it in his fashion, I mean, the town was painted purple and gold. I mean, the bars were open all night. You know, people were going crazy. It was nuts down here. I mean, I'm still riding off that Joey B high. I mean, he's he's been in town the past couple of days, too. I know that. A couple of my friends have seen him out at bars. Um um, so yeah, he's, he's really enjoying it, spending time, uh, with his hometown friends. And I mean, I, I can't, I can't even begin to talk about how much I love that kid, that kid, you know, I, you know, there's gotta be a Bengals jersey on the way with his name on it when he gets <laughs> yeah. drafted. No chance. I got an LSU one, but the kid's special. He's so fun to watch and, uh, you know, home being from the hometown, you know, and being from here and being able to witness how tight this community is. I mean, it means everything to them and it's, you know, it's ridiculous. It's awesome. So. Yeah. I'm a really big Joe Burrow supporter too. I really liked his uh, play uh, his past two years at LSU, and uh, just what he did in the national championship was crazy. And just you know how Ed Orange brought him in and stuff. I heard the story about how he did it. He t- took him out, and they got like some gumbo pounds. or fifty pounds yeah, of crawfish, crawfish or something. I listened to that oh, podcast. Yeah. It was funny. I also like how Joe Burrow's he's like his favorite athlete is Matthew Del Devova. And we all know how Delhi's just one of the biggest, like, hustler players out in the NBA. Was once called the most dirty player in the league. I just love how that that is, like, his favorite athlete out of, like, anyone. But it's going to be tough as a Browns fan to really, like, not like Joe Burrow when he's on the Bengals. But I know he'll do well in Cincinnati, too. It's going to be tough. You know what? I I have to agree with you there. As a diehard Browns fan, it's going to be the toughest thing. But especially being down here and seeing – you know, the town and the reaction. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sold. I'm getting a jersey. I love this kid. And uh, he's just a really special guy. And to add on to that story about crawfish, yeah, I guess uh, Coach O, they were sitting at a restaurant that didn't have crawfish, and Coach O made a quick call to somebody and brought in 50 pounds, like a bathtub full of crawfish for the two to eat. So, <laughs> I know. It was, uh, that was a hilarious about, story. Talk about recruiting. I mean, I think he nailed that. So, And then, yeah, the deli stuff, obviously. I mean, Joe's a pretty gritty guy, so uh, you know when he was rocking the Delhi shirt a day after winning the Heisman, that was that was pretty fun to watch. Yeah. So, and Cam, uh, this is something that I just kind of thought of. I know you, I know you are a big Yankees fan, of course, oh, yeah, and baby. this, and you know I know you've got to have some strong feelings after the last couple of postseasons regarding. 
the Houston Astros and everything like that. What, right. as it, from from your perspective, what what do you see about this? This whole thing that's been happening with baseball. Yeah, you know what? First and foremost, taking emotion out of it, it's disappointing. I mean, it's really disappointing. Um, you know, have you guys seen? You watched that Mike Clevenger clip? About yeah, I saw that Mike Clevenger. Dude, I think a lot of MLB players are really not happy about this, and I think you know, whenever like Springer, Altuve, Altuve or Springer and Bregman or Bregman, they're going to be thrown back. I think. Clevenger when he sees him, I don't think he would actually do that, but I just think he wouldn't be like happy. Then he'll Bauer just, will if he Bauer, gets a chance. I don't think Bauer will get a chance since he's now yeah. with the Reds. I don't think the Reds are yeah. facing Nationals, but I think I listened to his uh, take on that Bauer, and he say he couldn't believe it, but he's saying Bauer kind of like knew some inside inf- information right. before a lot of the other. Right. I mean, it's it's not even the throw and Adam part for me. It's the part that like so they're wearing these senses, you know, they're figuring out which pitch is next. This could lead to pitches giving up home runs or hits. This could lead to pitches having a bad game, which could ultimately lead, lead to them being sent down and losing money. And when Clevenger puts it in that perspective, you know, it's it's tough to even look at the Astros as a legitimate organization, especially being a Yankees fan, especially knowing we've gotten eliminated by them. You know, especially when you got Chapman throwing 100 miles per hour fastballs to, you know, an 80 mile per hour changeup and then Altuve sitting on it like a duck, you know? I mean, it, it's tough to watch. It's like, you know, it's really tough. You know, people always give the Yankees a lot of trash for, you know, buying their players, whatever. Well, this is, this is something that's not even fathomable. It's a disgrace to the game of baseball, to be quite honest. And I, I have nothing nice to say about that organization. So I don't think anybody don't does really at this know. point. Right. Right. I, I mean, I, I know I did see the, one of the, uh, the Yankees, I think it's either double A or triple A affiliate is giving away uh Trash cans is one of their giveaways. Uh, you know what, Sean? You know what uh, John Adams should do uh, at the Indians game instead of banging a uh, just yeah. a drum. He's got to bring yeah. the trash can or th- I think I might go to a game and get like a cheap trash can at like Walmart or something. Just literally well, they, bang it when the Astros are in town. <laughs> I it, it's it's a it, it, just a just a you know a plastic trash can doesn't have to. No one I really mean, uses please, them at all. Can one. we get can we get this being a movement? Let's get everybody on board. I mean, yeah, at yeah. every MLB then, stadium. I mean, and then I read that they gave the players a full immunity um, in order to talk about the situation, which, you know, I mean, I have a bias against the Astros regardless because I, I don't like that team. You know, I'm not a fan being a rival, you know, Yankees fan. But, um, I mean, to give a player full immunity for them being the ones that, you know, maybe not set it up but to partake in it, I don't necessarily agree with that either. Um, and it's it's really disappointing, you know. Um, I feel like the MLB just wanted answers. Um and, you know, they handled it correctly when it comes to punishing the manager, the GM. But to not punish these players, you know, and for them to still wear these rings, um, you know, it's a big asterisk for me. It's a disgrace. Yeah. I guess. All yeah. right. So, so do you think they should have stripped the Astros of their 2017 title? I'll, I'll give my think? opinion after he gives his. I've got it. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, stripping a title is tough, you know, because um, – it all depends on how long this was going on, you know, when they were using it, were they only using it at home, were they using it at away games? Like, you know, that's a good team. And the problem is they're talented enough that without these senses, I think they could be doing this damage. So they kind of tarnish their own reputation by using these senses, and it is elevating their play. So when it comes to stripping the title, I don't know. That's, you know, it's, it's just a disgrace. Again, I can't say it enough. It's, it's disappointing to know that I'm watching, you know, for example, my Yankees losing. Uh, because the guy's getting a little buzz before a fastball or a changeup. You know, that's that's just not baseball. Yeah, yeah. I'm just watching yeah. that uh My p- thoughts pitch. on this, my thoughts yeah. are like the Reggie Bush Heisman. If you're going to do something, take away, make it no one gets that title. 
but take it away and the Astros don't have it. They have to return their rings. There is no more banner in there, but no yeah. one gets the title. It's basically like a void year. You just know that right, the right, Astros won, right. but they're not officially champions. And I agree. I don't think, I mean, I don't think we should be handing out that title to anybody at that point. I mean, let it be, but um, to say you earned it, I mean, oh, that's, that's a tough one, you know? So yeah, that that's, that's it stretching it. Definitely. But, but Cam, uh, anything else you want to plug real quick? No, I got nothing, man. Shout out to hometown guy Joey B. Like I said, we're still riding on that. So um, just love that kid. And, you know, you guys keep up the great work. Uh, this isn't the best show on campus. I don't really know what is. Oh, so. this is the best show on campus. We're going to oh, make yeah. it the best oh, good, show this good, semester. Good. Welcome, polish your trophies. Don't worry. All right, thank you. So <laughs> shout out to Joey B. Thanks for coming on, thank Cam. Thank you so much, Cam. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Yeah, you, you too. too. Take care, bud. And that was Cam Seco down from OU. Oh, good buddy of mine, UFC and also Yankees fan. It was great insight. It was, it was great insights. I liked uh, getting a little bit of the different of the UFC talk. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not we, like a big UFC fan. We rarely UFC talk fan. about it, and I thought it would yeah. be something good to be able to talk about on a show like this. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're going to try to add some new things to talk about on Past the Mic, too. I mean, I, adding in U- UFC, that's a good and one. And the one thing that I want, I want to, I, I want to do at least twice, you know? If you right, know we'll what I'm get, talking about. Yes, and I want to do some things, too. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, we're going to... Hit a pause for a minute, and then we'll be back shortly with a little bit more. And uh, stay with us. And welcome back to Pass the Mic Sports Talk. Sean Fitzgerald and Enzo Orlando. And before we get into some other stuff right now, uh, I know Enzo didn't get to talk about the Super Bowl picks uh, when we had Enzo Orlando on a little bit. I mean, not Enzo Quinn Orlando. Griffin. Quinn Griffin. I'm so sorry, sorry. I'm in the studio. Quinn was on the phone. Yeah, a little bit uh, of that studio withdrawal. Yeah, as I said, like, it happens, especially when you're out of the studio for almost two months. I mean, I feel, it feels so good to be back in here. I cannot worry about anything going on outside of the studio. We can just do what is our escape and talk sports. But when we had Quinton on, I gave my pick for the Super Bowl currently, but I'm kind of still wavering a little bit. Currently, I think it's going to be San Fran winning by three by a score of 31 to 28, just based off of Kansas City having those slow starts against uh, Tennessee and Houston. If they get down in a hole early, I don't see them being able to come back quick enough. I mean, they still have done, they've done it and they've shown us that they can do it, but San Fran is on a whole different level than those two other teams that they faced in the Titans and the Texans. But Enzo, I know you want to give your pick and your reasoning. Yeah, let me give my pick. Uh, These two teams, uh, well, kind of like how you are, I'm like very in between, like which one to like, really take. I feel like during it's the Super Bowl be, article, will probably change. Right? It will probably change, but I would honestly have to just go with the Chiefs, just because of the maybe just because having a little bit of the better offense. But then I know the Niners do have oh, a better a, defense. It's a, it's a more dynamic offense, it's a more, just because it's speedy. It's, it's speedy. Got a speedy. It's quick. Offense. And I, I mean, I think that San Francisco defense can really try to. St- do their best they can stopping Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Robinson, Travis Kelsey. That's a pretty big uh, lineup. But then, you know, you look at the other side of the ball, the Joey, you got Nick Bosa, you got Richard Sherman, you got yeah. a couple big defense guys out there. I mean, it's stacked yeah, on defense. Armstead, Eric Lawrence. All those oh, guys. My, it's like tough. But then, like, even like as I look at the Chiefs this year, adding uh, – Tyron Matthews. That was definitely a Tyron big Matthews, Matthews. Yeah. big help to them too That's on Matthew, defense. Matthews. Matthews. Tyron Matthews. Matthew. Try not to say the S and it's not spelled Matthews, but Matthew, uh he's been he's been big help. The honey badger's way known as so I think he can help them out on defense. You know, if they stop the run game like they did against uh Derrick Henry and the Titans, I think the Chiefs could win it. But I'm gonna say maybe 
I say I have to say Chiefs by three two or like this game will either be low scoring or high scoring. I think I don't think they'll really, really? there there might be a chance for a blowout. More than I, likely, I, I would say that. that same... More than likely, I would say that'd be from the Chiefs. If I it could was see a it, if it's a high scoring game, I could see it turning into that Saints Niners game where it was like forty eight forty six. Like I could see that happening. I but you know right now it's just kind of rough to def- definitely say anything. I'm just really curious how this is going to play out. The one thing I'm super hyped about is that both tight ends are like top. They're the top five tight ends in the NFL, Kelsey and Kittle. They're in that top five tier. They are monsters, especially both of them are hard to tackle. And Kittle, you've seen all the highlights. They had to commit penalties to just bring Kittle down, I think, in one of the playoff games a week or two ago. (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. And I think those two on each offense is going to be their X factor outside of the quarterback. It's going to be how can you feed the ball to Kittle and how can you feed the ball to Kelsey. Funny thing is, they both have a last name that starts with a K. That is funny, Kelsey Kittle. George. Imagine if they were both on the same squad, though. That would be marvelous. I mean, you'd have that. I'm just saying, talent-wise, that'd be the level of Gronkowski and Hernandez. That would be, it would be on that level, except on that it would be on steroids, but not literally, but figuratively. Yes, I get what you're saying. I mean, that is something where it's like. I'm I'm more fascinated in the tight end matchup than I am in probably the receiver matchups. And the quarterback matchup's not too bad either. Mahomes and Garoppolo. I mean, Garoppolo, you know, he's had those injuries, but you know, I've he he's been getting a lot of comparisons to his uh, mentor Tom Brady while he was in New England. So maybe Garoppolo could be the next Brady, potentially another great quarterback on the 49ers again. I know they had two others before, Steve Young and Joe Montana. Let's pump the brakes on the Brady talk unless it's for him right now. Let if we're going to have anyone mention the same breath as Brady, let's have it somebody who's at least had 5 to 10 years in the league at minimum. It's not fair to Garoppolo just yet to compare him to Brady. I wouldn't say I'm, like I'm not saying, I'm not this... saying like you're going to get that like Debate like between LeBron and Michael Jordan. I would say like maybe like you could see some things that are similar to Brady's. Okay, play, I get nothing, I get where but now. nothing like saying like, oh who's the better quarterback. No, okay. it won't be anything like that. All right, all right, that makes sense. They'll just be like comparison yeah, I, of style of play. Yeah, I I didn't understand first, but uh, yeah, at least I didn't have to play the one hockey that I thought I was going to have to. No. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting with that. And uh, speaking of interesting things and players. Uh, Zion Williamson finally made his debut the other night against the San Antonio Spurs. And, well, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, you know, just, you know, kind of like what you would expect for a rookie. He went off. I mean, where's the hockey for it? Uh, uh, (laughs) He went off. Zion alert. Zion is active alert. Did you not see about the Cavs really promoting the Pelicans game just to try to get people to see Zion? Like, they're saying, oh, come to the Cavs game, and they're, like, promoting the, like, I think, one Wait. Cavs player. It was, like, an ad or something I saw. When is this? When the Cavs play the Pelicans. Uh, I wish I could have. Kid got credit. I wish. I, I could have. 28th, so that's next next week, a couple days away. I couldn't. That's, oh, I couldn't. I think that's it. Tuesday, yeah. I can't. My schedule won't work on Tuesdays to do that. Uh, plus, the. Uh, but yeah, as I said earlier in the show, I'm credentialed for uh, this uh, Saturday's uh, Cavs-Bulls game, so I will be live-tweeting the game, writing a post-game article 
I'll have some coverage from uh, Coach Beeline's pre- and post-game presser. So look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, we've got some of that going on. But Zion goes off for 17 points. He's hitting 20, it from he three. He Well, 17-point stretch. Oh, 17, yes. That 17 straight-point stretch. And it was just – it was insane. It was insane. It it didn't have – you know, it's not the same time frame you had the Reggie Miller stuff happen. But it felt – like, that's the best thing I can think of as a comparison. That is the closest thing I can think of right now. It's just, like, that insane scoring stretch that he was able to go on. I mean, the only thing that I can say about Zion is that his three-point, like, whenever he landed, it looked weird. It just looked like his legs were stiff, but his shot was beautiful. Oh, yeah, he was perfect from three in that game against the Spurs, too. What was so. it, four of four? Four for four, 100% from three. I mean, if he didn't have to be taken out of that game, he I think they would have won. Yeah, they could have won, but... Zion is already showing, and I know this is overreaction time right now, but he is showing... The reason why he had that much hype, if anything, he when I remember back when uh, Andrew Wiggins was a draft prospect and people were saying he's the next like you know LeBron hype wise at least yeah like Zion. No, I definitely think Zion has the biggest hype, and I remember I would follow uh, Zion, and he is he's getting. He's getting there. He's getting there. I remember I would follow Zion's high school like highlights and stuff too when he was I playing. I never did. Really. I really did. I kind of did. I followed his. I followed That's something I might Ma- need to start doing. I followed the Mellow Balls high school highlights. I need to start doing and that. And he was pretty explosive too. You knew this kid was going to be something special. The only problem if I hear a yeah. lot is like maybe he needs to cut back on weight a little bit. I guess bit, I was he... a little bit spoiled in a way because uh, at my alma mater, Holy Name, we had a player, uh, Dwayne Cohill. He's with Dayton. Oh, and Dayton's he, pretty good. Yeah. And, he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time yet, you know. They've still got a pretty, you know, senior squad and stuff like that. But Dwayne has some of the quickest bursts, some of the best handles I've seen for a player just in person. You could tell, like, he was on another level from almost all the other players that was on a court with him at any given point in time. There's only, like, one or two kids I've ever seen match up with him just exactly the same. And I think those two kids went on to play college ball at the D1 level like he has. Like, Seeing him in person kind of spoiled me, and I'm like, dang. I'm not saying that Dwayne is or isn't a call, uh, pro prospect, but I hope that if he gets some a chance to have significant playing time, that he has a chance to go pro because he, he's a joy to watch. He really is. Yeah, Dan's currently uh, seventh in the nation in the AP poll. He, they're seventh. They're seventh. Okay. They're ahead of Duke. Duke's eighth. <laughs> they're ahead of Duke. Oh, they're ahead of Duke. Duke. Louis, only Louisville, Florida State, San Diego State, Kansas, Gonzaga, and Baylor are. It tells you how weak that a lot of the top teams have been yeah, this year. And Ohio that. State. Ohio State got kicked out. Ohio State has turned out to. What happened when they got into the Big Ten play and all of a sudden they dropped off? They beat Kentucky's butt. They beat Villanova's butt. They beat UNC's butt. And all of a sudden. What the heck? I mean, what the heck, man? I mean. That, that's what I gotta say. Like what? Like how are they sucking so badly in Big Ten play, and they were able to kick everybody's butts outside of it? Uh, yeah, I really don't know. It's kind of like how Kent State right now. They were doing so well in the beginning, and then we kind of fell off a little bit. But I think, I think Kent we State can... is more recoverable than the Buckeyes I, I, right I, now. I, I think so too. Yeah, that's just something that. But Zion, like, what are the expectations going forward for him? He's because high, I, I feel but... like. Just having that that whole like hot stretch, it's going to make people think that he has to perform higher and higher. And I don't want 
He's someone that, that looks like he can handle the pressure, but will it be too much for him? Will fan expectations be way over the top? And as long as he stays healthy and stuff, but what about this case? He might not even win Rookie of the Year, actually. I think he, John Morant, I think, is probably favored a little bit more over Unless Zion. he averages 20 points, 7 boards, and 3 assists per game throughout the rest of the campaign. Like how stats are now. Like, and he, unless he averages that, he should not win just based off the fact of how long of a period of time he was out for. I'm, I'm not trying to say this because... I hate Zion. I love the kid. I, I love, love him. him. Not, but it just would be unfair to give it to him for only playing in what, half the season. Half, much. if not just a little bit less than half. Now, uh, you in the All Star break, you trade that all-star, line. Trade that line break. in the All in the All Star break. Usually, about right the now half things point, are so. currently how so things are currently mapped out. Right now, it's like let, let's double check the records real because quick, the trade deadline is in like two weeks. They oh, passed the halfway game. point season, I think. I just want to double check and confirm uh, before I like say anything else. Um, so you have eighty-two games. They're over the halfway point. So in the over NBA. halfway point. So yeah. So he played basically in just over or under. Like he's played in the the num- <laughs> They played in forty-five healthy. games. He's what he played in game forty-four or forty-five. So he's played in less than half the season. He's going to be have played in less than half season's games, it should go to Morant. Yeah, I just, think it should go just to in Morant, fairness. too. Just John Morant. If, you had, if he was able to play every night for a, f- a complete 41 games to complete a half season, and he put up the stat line that I said, 27-3, I'd be, I'd be fine with giving him the award if that's how the voters voted. But right now, you kind of got to give it to Morant. You got to give it. He's been having a very he, good season, I was, too. You I was there game, at when the failed dunk happened. Failed, he almost ended he, Kevin Love's ele- career. Like, that, was, that was on another level. He just elevated, and it looked like he was on a freaking hoverboard just floating in midair when that happened. Dude, that I'm was like, like some Michael Jordan stuff right there. Uh, that's exactly what I said, uh, I think, on the podcast that we did. Uh, we talked a little bit about Morant then. He, he It looked like Jordan, like from the highlight clips. It looked like that's what... Morant looked like not you know physically, but just the flying in the air part. If it had gone down, we all know Kevin Love's career is over. Yeah, but, we all know. But it's just Morant is something special. Zion is something special. And I hope that they can be that way for the next five, ten years from a pure entertainment pr- perspective. Because here's the thing: the only reason I'm saying that is that they're not in the Eastern Conference where the Cavs are housed. They're in the West. So that makes it easier for me to say that because we're we're still in that rebuild phase where we're more likely to take a little longer than those two squads. Those two squads are already a little bit more ahead, in my opinion, on where I the rebuild is the right Pelicans now. Pelicans are t- definitely for Pel- sure. The Pelicans are not out of West playoff race yet, and I think they can still get in because J.J. Redick has his streak to keep him alive. Oh, yeah, Every year he year. has been in the NBA, his team has made the playoffs. I do not want to see that streak end just for the sake of trivia. I want that trivia fact to last for all time where he made at the playoffs every single year that he Until was he on. retires. Until he retires. Yeah, I, w- I want to see that. I will be obsessed over that for the next, what, three, four, five, six, seven years, however long he takes to, you know, play. Like, J.J. Redick, every year his team makes the playoffs. I mean, if Zion was healthy at the beginning of the year, I'd say they'd be the sixth seed right now. They would? I'd say they'd be the sixth seed, no higher than that, just because growing pains. But I, I still think they have a shot at the eighth. I, I would say they do. Yes, I mean, 
Right now, the Memphis, they, they are only like a game behind for the last seed of the playoffs, but nothing's really too sure yet. you still got plenty of more games to go on. It's not March or like at beginning of April when you kind of know, hey, this is how the NBA playoffs are going to look and all that. But just going on with Zion, he's just, him and John Morant, they're pretty much the future for this game. I mean, you know, a lot of our favorite superstars going up, LeBron, he'll probably retire in the next couple of years. you already seen uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh I'm curious on when LeBron's uh, going to retire. I got Because I'm wondering if he wants to still play with his oldest son, Bronny Jr., or come if, he'll wanna, if he'll want to come back to Cleveland, have one final season there, and then hang him up so that way he can watch his son like how he's trying to when he can with, you know, how his son's able to play nationally sometimes, be able to watch his son in person more so. Yeah, I think he would want – he would like to play with his son for one season, I think. Yeah, it's just, you know, it all kind of lines up perfectly in a way, especially if they uh, – if the NBA decides to go with uh, letting high schoolers out of the draft, which it could be plausible then that he lasts out. LeBron might hold out and just go to whatever team that drafts him just to play that one season, even if it's a team that sucks. I don't think I would care. I think he just wanted to be with his, yeah. play with his son for one season. I think that would be a cool moment. I mean, we also got other stars like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. You know, their time is coming up in, like, the next five years, too. So with the, the future of the NBA, it looks pretty bright, especially with Zion. He might be the new face of the league because, what, for the past couple of years, it's been LeBron James. I think the new face of the league will end up being – one of the guys, either Giannis or Luca. Giannis, Luca's been pretty good too. Giannis or Luca Doncic. Just because they have that international. Giannis, Trey Young, Luca Doncic are the three players I'm looking Trae at right Young, now. Trey Young, wow, three that was a surprise. I'm not. I'm, those are the three that I can think of from the, the top of my head. I know I'm missing players right now. Do not cremate me for doing that. Okay, there are other players I could probably think of if you gave me some more time, but those are the players I'm thinking just off the top of my head. Porzingis. No, no, he's not going to be the face. He's not going to be the face of the NBA. He had a shot, but I think the injuries are probably will make him more like a top, like top two tier star, but not, you know, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but we're going to we're going to go to break. When we're back, we're going to have drunk of the week, and then we'll uh, have, I believe, an announcement. Yes, but, it's a very special announcement. So just... s- stick with us, and see you shortly. And we're back. Uh, sorry, that was a little bit loud. <laughs> I could even hear that in my headphone. Uh, Pass the Michael Fitz and Enzo as we are wrapping up the show. Uh, we And unfortunately, it doesn't look like Alex Wilcox was able to make it in today. We'll try and have him on at some other point. Hopefully, we'll have it on the yeah, semester. He might have been We're sleeping. working on having other guests as well and everything like that. So we'll those will come as they come. But I think it's time to get into one of our favorite segments. Uh, Hit it. What? Week. And I have one that I did not tell you about, Enzo, and this is going to be saddening in a way, too. The officer who was filming Delonte West. Oh, that? I saw that. So if you do not know, Delonte West, former Cavalier, uh, a beloved one when he was here, I'd say. He he's not doing so well. He's yeah. He's kind of, he's been struggling the, ever since. He's been struggling, kind of homeless, just not in a good situation, and the other day there's video filmed by it was a cop on, uh, mo- on Monday by MLK a cop day. that showed him getting beat up, and the cop got suspended for not stepping in and doing something. And Delonte, I know people have been asking that know him to get him help. Somebody, please get that guy some help. But also that officer. You didn't stop 
that fight. You didn't let Delonte, you didn't stop Delonte from getting beat up. Shame on you. Shame on you. That that is my drunkie. He really just. I'm just infuriated. So, so that video of him getting beat up was that taken by that officer? Yes. In the cruiser, and he just yes. did nothing. He did nothing. So, wouldn't I think as the law enforcement, you would have to go in if you ever see anyone just punching yeah. anybody? I think or any type of fight, yeah. it can be verbal or uh, just pushing or shoving. So, I think usually as an officer of the law, you got to be able to do that. Yeah, but that is my drunk of the week. Yeah, very saddening to see, and uh, I saw many videos, and you know, it's just. Really kind of just sad to see that happen to someone. But, you know, mental mental health is a problem in this country, yeah. and he needs to and, get, like, some help. And anyway. I just want to say this in general. I'm an RA on Kent State's campus, and I've dealt with people with mental health. I've dealt with other things, mental health myself. I mean, he's got bipolar, and which is I just want to say, if you're someone who's afraid of getting help, don't be. Getting help is one of the best things you can do for yourself and do for others around you because taking care of yourself first is important. So never forget that. Mental health is a big issue, and it's not something that you can always tackle alone, and you should have that support system around you. If you're listening to this, please make sure that you're doing your best to have your mental health checked out. If you need a day, take a day. Do something to where you can just relax and get yourself fixed up in the right state of mind. Mental health, it's so important, and especially here on a college campus. I feel like we're exposed to a lot of things that we wouldn't normally see. So just remember, keep your mental health in mind and just try and be your best person, your best self. So with that being said, I know that's a little bit somber, but... What are you doing, drunky? Yes, and uh, my drunky will have to be uh, the Dolan, and more in particular, uh, Paul Dolan's speech when he was given that award uh, at the Cleveland Sports... Uh, I know I have, I have it right here. The Cleveland uh, Sports, Sports Awards. Sports Awards, yeah. Greater Cleveland Sports Awards in his speech. The Lifetime Achievement Award. And for just what he said, I said the speech earlier, but just for what he says by really putting down the average fan down and only focusing on the big corporate people who usually don't go there to really watch the game. They go there for business. They or they'll give it to other people. Other people or stuff like that. I've been offered... I've been I've been to a Sweden and Indians game. I've only many been there times. once. That that was the they, year that they had Union College of San was still known as Mike San and they had Jose Reyes, Heath Bell and uh Mark Burley. Jose Reyes. Uh, Jose yeah. Reyes, Mark Burley, Heath Bell. The year that they had the they signed all the big free agents that Ian Carlos still went by the name Mike Stanton. Okay. Yeah. That's the year that I the only time I've ever been in a suite was that game. Yeah, so I've been offered but to go in suites, but you know, most of the time those those people that have those suites are there for uh, business and uh, just having guests in and stuff like that. So just putting down the average fan like Sean and I and just saying, like, oh, we got to, you know, focus on our suite orders up and get the money that. And they and have just been the average fan in general, channel. just not us. Like, that's we're, it, we're that's not that's just it. the average fan. We're everyone who's out there. Majority of the, the fan majority. base. The majority, yeah. You've basically shut down the majority of the, the Indians fan base. Told us like, oh, we didn't do, do this, it and then just, just you know, the there's particular player, and he's like calling out, he's literally calling out Lindor in his speech. He's like, oh, particular player. Oh, well, not calling him out, but like tr- he tried to poke fun at himself poke. and kind of failed miserably in our eyes. Calvin, it's just uh, every opening day, I always see him go on a Drennan show, and I'm it's always interesting. I can't what watch he has Bruce Drennan because STO, Fox Sports, and uh, Dish cannot agree to a contract and. Uh, that's I'm just saying this on Kent campus. 
I'm I'm not affected by it at home, but I cannot watch Drennan. I'm so sad about that because I've I've been wanting to get him back on as a guest if we can. I mean, with with, with what Dolan's doing, like, does he really? I don't feels like the. Does Paul Dolan really get excited for baseball season or not really? Because he doesn't get me excited to I go know, see but the Indians. I need to play he this hockey before get anyone I forget to do it. You blew it! Yeah, I need to do this from earlier. Just for Dolan. You you blew it. You blew that speech. It, it should have gone, that award should have gone to Fred McLeod too. It should have. It should I mean, the, the Dolans, they've been alive. They've been the more successful team the in the past decade. But they, they were the ones, you know, you were so close to World Series. You had that window and you... What was it? 2018 off season. You let a bunch of guys yep. go. This you off season, you sat around and did nothing. All right, you let uh, Corey Kluber go, which, which I mean, I don't know. Was it the right move? It kind of was, but uh, I mean, if Class A turns into the next Chapman Sands off field issues, I'm all for it. Okay, please, Zach. I said uh, Class A. Class A. Class oh, A. Yeah. The reliever. The reliever. Yeah. If he if he turns into Chapman. And I say Sands off-field issues for obvious reasons. Then I am all for it if that happens. But that is, uh, oh crap! What are you doing, Drunky? Drunky of the week. Drunky of the week. You can tell I have studio withdrawal when I'm making so many mistakes during a show. That's how you can tell. <laughs> I, mean, I, I made a couple mistakes too, Ra too. I think I had a little bit of withdrawal, and yeah, maybe like, I just don't realize it until like I'm actually in it. Yeah, because it feels so good being back in here. And you know what we didn't do? We didn't turn the TV on. TV and on. If you, I think you might have, if you all were uh, listeners from Fitz and Spinell, we did one time, we did like a peek in the studio kind of thing where we had like, what, five, six minutes of live time and we basically had the TV on in here, showed a little bit of that and just me and Mitch like talking and everything. We're going to do that. Oh, we're going oh, to have the TV on a lot, especially you know uh, college basketball. We might have our show t- <coughs> time on during one of the games. Oh, it will be. It's March Madness. March Madness. Yes. Thursday or Friday. Yeah, uh, we're going to have it on. And then, of course, usually the big past the mic event. The how we all started. The biggest golf you event you in all of the world. The Masters in beautiful Augusta, Georgia at Augusta National Golf Club. It is so amazing listening to Jim Nance's voice like this. And after last year with Tiger Woods finally winning a green jacket in the first I time since I still remember seeing all the freaking oh uh, ESPN so things that ran. It, I was, was at the JMC uh, scholarship banquet when that was going on. They're like, just so you know, uh, Tiger Woods is currently winning the Masters, and we know uh, we couldn't have timed this up to have it happen like this, but we'll we'll try, you know. Oh, it's such a big event after what uh, Tiger had to go through the, the past couple of years, and you know, I him still want to see him. Injuries. I want to see him at least match Nicholas. He, I want to see him match. He, he can, he can match Nicholas. I but, think I got some favors already for my master picks. I'm not going to say that and up. And I don't. Until I don't really know too much about golf. Though outside of some of the bigger names, to be able to give any definitive stuff, that's my thing. But <clears throat> pardon me, uh, cough. Uh, yeah, and uh, we've got what? So for, we're at two forty-six. I'm assuming we won't take all the way to fifty-five. Yeah, I don't think just, so at all. So do you wanna? Well, there's an announcement. Hold on, gotta get the drum roll. Gotta get the drum roll, please. Big announcement from Pass the Mic. Ladies, you're going to love it. We're going to incorporate The Bachelor into our show. A little bit of a short five-minute segment on The Bachelor. 
maybe even to a little bit of 10, about what's been going on this show. And boy, I've been watching it. It is some quality entertainment, I gotta say. And I say it's... It has been, you know, interesting seeing it. All these girls going after this one man, Peter Weber, who is a pilot, and these girls are all nuts about him. But, you know, they the funny thing is they all live in, like, a, a house together in California, all these girls, while they're on the show. And there's just so much drama between this one and that one. This one did this, this one and that. I don't know, there's something with a whole champagne bottle. Well, you watch that. I'm sticking to the sports so stuff. He's sticking to sports mainly. But this is just a good way, you know, to get the – the ladies, come on, come yeah. in and listen in the past. We have The Bachelor we now, the so bachelor. no reason not to listen no in. No reason you know? not to listen in. You only have to listen to it. You can only listen when we talked about Sir Dad. You don't have so, to care if we what, think about... Ha- is it segment seven, right? We're doing that? Uh, I was thinking that's the empty the segment where we have uh, uh, pick we'll, f- we'll figure it out once we get our, tw- to get our exact show time and stuff, yeah. too. But, like, but. We, I'm just talking about, like, the... All right, so we can talk about that. Here's a little bit of the behind the scenes. So we have a rundown doc. That's what I call it. And on that rundown doc, we list out the segments. We have eight of them, and with that, we have time codes. So like just like zero to the 15 minute mark, 15 minute mark to 30, and so on until we get to you know 145 to the two hour mark. So I was just kind of asking Enzo like which mark are we going under? So like it's marked, and we have the hour, the time mark, and then the segment below it. So, yeah, but we'll determine that at a later date. But a little bit behind the scenes of how past the mic and how I've also worked in the past as well. I don't want to leave yet. It's like it's like we uh, don't want to leave. We want to stay. It's like Dave Tennant's uh, doctor and Doctor saying, "I don't want to go," and I and then he just starts to regenerate after that. Like I like I don't want. I I really want to just remind me to do something with that, please. Please remind me to do something with that just for the sake of it. I, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, I have a feeling you're probably not – when we have to go, you're probably just going to still be in here. Like, I, you're trying to, like, <laughs> literally not leave. You're like, I got – I'm back Anchor in my in. spot. I'm back in my spot. I want to stay in here. I mean, maybe you, sh- maybe you should do the BSR marathon instead of Brandon. Um, so I cannot – two years. For I, reasons I will well, not you, disclose, RA, I cannot RA, go RA, through I, the – not the RA – thing actually it's not because the ra thing believe it or not uh i will tell you about that off the air that's something that i will discuss off air not on air uh but um yeah i cannot run through the whole marathon but i was i was i might come in just like at the beginning of the marathon if we do it this spring thing is here's the thing our i don't know how program's going to go after uh, week 14, because here's oh, yeah. the thing for you folks who are listening outside of Kent State. Kent State is doing, with May 4 coming up, they've got a what they're calling a reading day, which is a study day, in the middle of a week. So, like, I believe on the 29th of uh, April. Then Thursday, <clears throat> pardon me, Thursday and Friday, April 30th and May 1st, are going to be two days of finals. So that, that May 1st, we'd normally have a show. I don't know if we're going to especially depending on our schedules so that's one thing and if we do i think we there still could be room for two more shows especially since that friday the campus isn't closed down yet uh the the next friday which would be the eighth and then that, then saturday and sunday the study and also that monday may 4 it's the 50th anniversary and we're trying to also have a someone who uh someone related to that uh call in uh down the line i'm still trying to hash out some details with that and also just make sure I have all the info necessary for that. And then uh, 
you know, after May 4 is done, you have three more days of finals to complete the five-day finals set. And then Friday, there's nothing on, like, normally you'd have, like, finals going on. And then that Saturday, I think, is when all the students kind of have to be out. And it's also, like, commencement, too, for all the Yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, how – and we'll obviously talk with, like, you know, our BSR staff and everything about this. But I don't know how our last, like, how the week 15 and the regular, like, finals week – kind of thing is going to go. I heard it's going from like a... Because I don't know when they're going to do the marathon. That's a thing. That like is, in it, past years, I'd be able to tell you, oh, this is when the marathon's probably going to be. Usually it's been on a Saturday. So I don't know if they're going to do it during like that last full week of classes that don't include the finals or what's going to happen. I can't tell you unless like uh, like this is literally just a weird semester because this is the first time they've done it versus like just having just like... I guess, like, if when May 4 hits 51st anniversary, I hope they kind of go back to the old schedule. But I've, I know, like, OSU, I think, does something like this, uh, according to one of my buddies down there. And other places have done this. I've heard mixed reviews about it. So, about this, like, reading day. But with that said, I think it's about time that we yeah, sign off, unfortunately. It feels so, so bad. Long, we'll, farewell. We'll keep you updated about when our exact showtime is. This was only just a. Especially time approved special, show. And especially. plus, like, if you all have been a BSR listener before, you know it's normally like noon to two or like two to four. We one to three was just the best time that worked out for us. But I think you know it's just that time, and we got we got to go. Right. So have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah. Enjoy. We're out of here. Hit it. Woo!